welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 191 for Saturday the 7th of March, 2020. Coming up this week, my chalk and cheese psychological thriller, Two Years After, has been on a blog tour all week. So, what was the final verdict of the readers? I've taken the decision this week not to attend LBF and SPF Live. I'll be explaining why. And Wednesday was my last day of salaried work. I'll let you know what's coming up next. Plot spoiler my tea consumption is likely to increase. So welcome to this week's podcast diary. A very interesting week for all sorts of reasons this week, but let's do the word counts and the editing updates first, and then I'll crack on with the other news. So in terms of writing this week, I haven't tracked it because I'm I'm doing little bits here, removing bits there. I'm really just responding to the comments that uh, I've had from readers on my podcasting book. So there's not an awful lot of point in me tracking the word count because I've um, basically, at the suggestion of readers, a couple of people suggested that I put end of chapter summaries, uh, key points. So those those are being done. And I've also, as I've read it myself, I've now given it my first read. Didn't need an awful lot of changes, I'm pleased to say, but I've been taking into account people's comments. I've moved the order around which I'm a lot happier with it. I think it works really well. So thank you for the feedback if you gave me that feedback. I've just been taking into account the comments that people have made as we've gone along. And uh, um, there were one or two, I think there's about three sections that need writing where I just, as I was reading along, I thought, oh, actually it would benefit from that. It would benefit from that. So that's cracking along. So I will be, I'm kind of working on it over the weekend. Um, What I'm going to start over the weekend actually He's, I'm really just waiting for the final comments to come in now. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty well done. So I'll, I'll wait for the final comments to come in. I'll give it a run through Grammarly, make sure I've not missed any spellings or anything like that. Though, to be fair, the people reading it have done a really good job of that already. And, um, then I'm probably going to start on the website that goes with this book. So the book is released on the 30th of March. I said to readers that I want it finished. I want their review finished by the 15th of March because I have to put the drawbridge up and then do the final spell checks and process the final, all that sort of stuff. So I I have to put a a date on that. That's going to be Sunday, the 15th of March. And so I thought that actually my, my work's finished. I just need other people to look at it now and I can respond to their comments as, as, as they come in. So, there's also a, a website to accompany this book. And I thought, oh, I'm really looking forward to this, actually. I will start to build up that website um, ne- this weekend and next weekend so that it's ready for the book launch. Um, so everything's on on target, on plan, getting ready to go. So looking forward to all of that. Um, but very happy with that nonfiction book. And I have come up with the next nonfiction book, which I'll tell you about a little bit later. So in terms of editing... I have been going through so many lies this week as well. And I've read through from chapter, I think it was 16. Yeah, chapter 16 this week through till, well, by the time I've finished today, I will have read through to chapter 24. Now this book has, it's quite a long book. It goes to chapter 52, 53, something like that. So I'm, re- I'm doing just a really manageable, easy amount every night, which is three chapters. It takes me no time at all really to do that. Um, but I'm going to finish at, at that rate, so long as nothing interferes. I'll finish that 
on Friday the 20th of March. That's plenty of time for the blog tour. I'll then process it, put it in vellum. I will share with Sarah Hardy, who's managing my blog tours for me. I'll share it with her more than a month before it's due to be read. It is quite a long book, so I thought if I can have it done a bit earlier, I'm sure the blog reviewers will thank me for it. And the blog tour for So Many Lies is going to start on the 27th of April. I wanted to give it plenty of separation from the blog tour that I've been doing this week. Okay, so my next non-fiction book, and I don't know where this came from, but it came to be out the blue sometime this week when obviously I've been churning over ideas about what that next non-fiction book might be. And looking at my schedule, when do I start to write it? It's not for a little while yet. I'm going to start to plan it on the 22nd of March but I start to write it on Sunday the 29th of March. So I'll finish one and I start to write the next one the night before this one gets released, the current one gets released. So we're like a sausage factory again with the books, except this is a non-fiction book. So this will be my second non-fiction book and it's going to be called How to Create and Sell Digital Products. Now, as I said, I don't know where this came from. It just kind of came to me from the ether this week. And... When I got the title, I thought, yeah, that's perfect. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to write books that are evergreen, that distill all the knowledge and experience I've got, but that I could write in a way that is going to stand the test of time. I'm not going to have to be updating these books every five minutes. That's really what I'm trying to avoid. So I thought, okay, let's put that to the test. A sign of a good nonfiction book to me is that I should be able to almost write it off the top of my head. So I work on the basis of 12 chapters. I wrote my 12 chapter headings and I just did those straight away. In fact, I, I did 10 straight away and then, and then added an extra two in. So I could actually, if you ask me to now, I could pretty well dictate that book to you off the top of my head because I know the topic so well. And as I say, that I feel is always a good, that's good subject matter for a non-fiction book because I just know it, I know it so well. But it also leads on extremely well from the podcast book because one of the suggestions in the podcast book is that rather than affiliate marketing, rather than getting sponsorship for a podcast, because a podcast works so well in terms of listeners really relating to you as the podcast host, if they know, like, and trust you, it's much more sensible to create products of your own to sell to your audience than it is to sell other people's products or to have sponsorship because it just builds and enhances your brand and profile. It doesn't dilute it by using other people's products. So it fits in beautifully as a follow-on to the podcast book, but also obviously I've, I've done this for years now, about 10 years I've been making and selling digital products. There's so much to say about it. Uh, you know, so many facets of that. Uh, but also, uh, listener to this podcast, who I gave some training to for podcasts, actually took the training that I gave, went off and create, created a digital product around it and sold it on Teachable. Um, so a, a lot of the skills that are used to, to make a podcast, a lot of the kit that I recommend, you can actually go off straight away and create digital products with it as well. And obviously, I tell people how to do this a lot in my corporate training. So you know, it has all the makings of a great non-fiction book. So that is going to be non-fiction book number two. And I will start to write it on the 29th of March. Now I am mindful. I don't start writing fiction until the 16th of April. So I, I basically, my plan is to write uh, two fiction books before we go to Spain. This is uh, providing we can still go to Spain. Uh, uh, when is it? November next year. 
hopefully things will have settled down a little bit. Um, but I basically, I mean, I, I have I have loads of time, but I'm, I, I'm not going to write more than two fiction books between now and when we go to Spain. So I have a lot of time. And although I've penciled in to start writing the first of those books on the 16th of April, I could actually bump it way beyond that if I wanted to. But I, I, don't, I don't think I'll need to. But clearly at some point, I'm, um, th- these two books that I'm planning to write before we go to Spain, they are parts two and three of what will become the Shallow Falls trilogy. And book one is already written, which is Now You See Her. So what I need to do is I need to reread Now You See Her and just remind myself of the characters and what they do and everything I've said in that book. And then I need to start fleshing out books two and three so that I'm ready to start writing on Thursday the 16th. Now, as I say, I can actually, I can bump that quite a long way because I I left myself, uh, when do I have to have the second book written? The second book has to be written by, or it's currently scheduled, for the 10th of September. Well, I've left myself completely clear intentionally in October, but I've got loads of spare days there. So I'm pretty confident that those two books uh, will be written at a fairly relaxed rate. And I've only, I've only scheduled writing days on Thursdays and Fridays. I've got so, now I've left that salaried work. I've got so much more flexibility about that, that, that I can actually compress those books if I wanted to. So just to remind you, the aim is this year, to write three non-fiction books and two fiction books by the time we go to Spain. So five books by the time we go to Spain. And then when we go to Spain, I will decide what I'm going to be writing in Spain. Um, we're going to be there five to six months. Again, everything's up in the air at the moment. I understand that. Uh, so, so we might have to just postpone it. If, if we have to, we'll have to postpone it. It's just the way life is, isn't it? Um, but if we go to Spain, my plan is to write three trilogies. So um, that's what I'm up to with my books and with my planning. So let's move on to general news. And I got quite a lot of this this week. First thing is um, self-publishing formula live and the London Book Fair. And also, if you remember, I was going to go down to London to do a park run down in London. Now, I, I was dithering about this. I was waiting to see what uh, self-publishing formula live would do. I was waiting to see what London Book Fair would do. Now, the other thing you've got to remember with this is that I um, basically, when I decided that I was going down for London Book Fair and self-publishing Formula Live, I also booked in to go to Paris to do a run this weekend in Paris. Now, obviously, you've seen what's happening in Paris at the moment. Um, and I, I was concerned for a number of reasons, obviously, with the this coronavirus uh, you know, business at the moment. And I, I did think, looking at Paris, that there was every chance, potentially, that you might end up locked down in 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 paris uh that's kind of the way they're they're going they're being quite strict about it and so i was getting a bit jittery about that thing i'm not sure whether it's a really good idea to be going to paris i think at the louvre the other day i think the staff at the louvre um refused to open because the point they made was that they have five thousand people through their doors every day and that they're stopping gatherings of people of 5,000 and more. They were just saying, well, we, we're included in that. So it, it's quite sort of volatile at the moment. What, what I was a little bit concerned about is, is that something might happen while I'm there and all of a sudden I'm stuck or I can't move, you know, like these people in cruise ships and things are doing. It is um, very much shifting sands at the moment. So I was a little bit wary about that. And I was waiting to see what the London Book Fair did. And there was something that made me think, again, these things tend to come to me from the blue, like, like I've suddenly picked up a Wi-Fi signal from somewhere. But the thing that made me make my final decision on this is I was thinking if I was still a manager at the BBC managing my teams and 
I had this to make as a decision as a manager, I thought that I would have cancelled, I would be cancelling all these trips for staff now and I wouldn't think twice about it. I wouldn't send them out of a duty of care to them and their families. So to me, as, uh, in, in my management role, if I was still doing that and responsible for staff, I wouldn't even think twice about it. I'd just say, no, that's it. We cancel the trips, uh, make our apologies, and we'll come back to it when we can. And so I thought, well, actually, I'm the manager of my own business now in that I manage myself. I am my own member of staff. And so why aren't I making that same decision for myself? If, if, if you were my members of staff listening to this podcast, I wouldn't hesitate to say, no, you're not going to London. You're not going to that. Um, whereas I don't think it's like we're not in the, the walking dead kind of a scenario. But I do f- personally feel that we're in a scenario where it's just prudent. It's just prudent to, you know, to keep away from big gatherings. It might be safe, but it's prudent to, to keep away, um, especially if you don't have to go. Uh, and I just thought, well, you know, I would make the same decision that Amazon have done and all the big companies. You know, I have a, you have a duty of care for your staff. Um, and, and if your staff go ill, the, it hits the business. It hits their families. You know, children and elderly parents might then get it. Uh, and so as a manager, I wouldn't think twice about it. So I just thought, well, there you go. That's a decision made for me. I am my own member of staff. And as my own manager, I'm saying you ain't going. So that's it. I'm not going to self-publishing Formula Live. And the, the London Book Fair just kind of, you know, made me feel a lot better about that decision because I've got a long way to travel from Cumbria. There's a lot of hotel expenses as well. You know, the trains are expensive as well for me. I was going to go to Paris. I can't now, or I'm not now going to go to Paris because I just don't feel like it's a sensible option. Again, if I were sending staff over there, I'd be sending them knowing that potentially they might get stranded out there. Um, you know, if they suddenly lock down a particular area of Paris and say, you know, we're quarantining everybody, um, because that's the, the kind of situation we're in, uh, like at the moment. And, and then you've got, st- you've got staff members or, family members sort of stranded so that that was the decision I made so I'm not going to Paris I'm not going to London next week and the other thing is by the way by making the decision early most of the tickets I had I could refund or bump the dates so what I've done is I was surprised actually I could I was going to fly down this weekend uh, was I going to fly down this weekend? No, I wasn't. I was going to fly down to the run. So I was going to train down. But that I've, I've managed to bump those train tickets um, just for the £10 fee that you have to pay the admin fee so basically I've, I've bumped those train tickets and I'm going to go and see my brother who I was going to see he was going to join us on the boat on the Monday evening um, I'll see my brother down there I'll go and see Phil my friend and do the London run there that's if we can at that time of year if not I'll just keep bumping the tickets um, I cancelled the plane ticket and I was surprised to see I got a refund I got refunds on all my hotels so the only thing that I was unable to refund were the Eurostar tickets I've managed to get refunds pretty well on everything um as far as spf live is concerned i'm quite happy to write that off number one the tickets were a negligible cost i can't remember what they were 30 30 pounds something like that i'm very happy to say to mark and james and the team you know you took a big risk on that um sa shit happens sometimes and um, there's no way am I asking for my money back. You know, I don't want you to be at a loss with this. So I'm very happy to write that off. And then I'm not quite sure what's happening with the London Book Fair. But again, it was only 50 quid. You know, I'm not going to die over 50 quid. Um, and, and I got more money back from hotels and, and refunds than I thought I would do. So that feels just like the reasonable way 
to go about that. I'll go down in June. I'll try again in June. I don't know where we're going to be in June. Uh, we'll see. But if I have to bump those train tickets again in June, I'll bump those train tickets again in June. I think we're in uncharted territory here. But essentially, if I don't do those two trips, I mean, the other thing is, you know, I'm in rural Cumbria. And of course, we're not immune in rural Cumbria, but we are a very rural area. We don't have big travel, travel hubs here. And now I've left work. Frankly, I don't need to be anywhere. You know, I can just kind of write at home, do me runs at the local parks, which are all outside. And I, I, I'm, I don't have any other book, big events booked. So I just felt, you know, if this was my staff I was advising, that's what I'd say. So that's, that's the decision I've made. Now, clearly, I'm very disappointed that I, that none of this is happening, but you know, life happens sometimes and we're not, you know, kids who've missed Christmas, uh, we all know that we've got to work through this and um, it'll all get reorganised. And hopefully there'll be another London book fair next year, you know, and um, I'll, I'll get the videos from, from the conference, the SPF Live conference. So th that was my sort of judgment on it too. And also, you know, it's a long way from Cumbria. Um, I always, you know, I always think about the travel of the time and the hotel and the expenses involved as well. I've always got those considerations. It's such a hike from here. Uh, so I'm sort of comfortable with that decision, but it was interesting. It was that management decision that, that settled it in my head where I thought, why am I even debating this with myself? If it was staff, that's the decision you'd make. So I just share that with you. Um, I know that a lot of people that I was going to see there also aren't going. Um, but, uh, you know, apologies. It is very sad that we're not all going to meet up, but you know, there are other events, there are other days. And I think, uh, everybody's well-being, safety, good health is worth considering, um, at the moment. So uh, that that's my decision explained. I've had a two years after blog tour running this week. And you'll know that I've never done blog tours before. I did the first one on Left for Dead. And I was really pleased with how it went. Uh, very happy with that. And so I decided because I'd kind of not really done a brilliant job with two years after and so many lies. And, and, and I feel that they're strong books and I wanted to get a good, decent uh, number of reviews on those. I felt like I wanted to have another bite of the cherry if I could. So I booked them both in for blog tours. I had a one-star review, as you know, an articulate one-star review on two years after, which I gave due consideration and made some slight tweaks to the book and then uh, re-uploaded the file. I didn't do a version two, I just uh, re-uploaded the file uh, for two years after. And it's been read by lots of people this week. And I'm delighted to say um, one of the reasons that I, I really wanted was keeping my fingers crossed that I got lots of good reviews from this is that I, I, I kind of wanted to banish that. I think there's something like one and one, one star and two, two stars, something like that. And they came very early. And when they come very early, you've got no resilience against those. It makes your average reviews look, look lower. So my average reviews were looking something like three and a half. But I'd got lots of five and effusive reviews, but those, you know, those are killers, those ones and twos. But also I, I wanted to get a sense. I wanted to, to give it to people who do nothing but read psychological thrillers and just make sure that I hadn't messed up the tropes, that it, you know, it wasn't my fault as an author that I'd done that. And if I got bad reviews, if people really didn't like what I'd done in that book, I would go back and I'd have to rewrite the ending and just take it on the chin. Well, anyhow. Uh, I won't be changing the ending because I've had a load of really lovely reviews this week. I just wanted to share some of those with you because I did share I did share the one star review with you. So I'm going to share some of the ones I've got with you from this week. And it just shows you can't please all of the people all the time, really. Um, but I haven't had any uh, bad reviews this week. I'm delighted to announce. I just read a few of the comments. Um, I found this fast paced read very disturbing. Teague has written a brilliant psychological thriller. Also, it's a well written, gripping, shocking and enthralling thriller. 
For me, this is without a moment's hesitation a five-star read. So many horrible characters, so little time. Two Years After by Paul Teague is a fabulously awful psychologically thriller. They do mean that kindly, by the way. Uh, fabulous escapism at its finest with a fast pace, intriguing storyline and an unpredictable ending. An unsettling and hellish ride with no frills or unnecessary words, just intense, chilling emotions from start to finish. Uh, this is a great psychological thriller that really messes with your head. The pages turned over increasingly quickly as my desperation to find out how the story concluded steadily grew and grew. A scary psychological thriller that delivers the chills. Um, a fast-paced book where I was more eager to know how it would all end. Being warned by the author of it not having a happy ending, I thought it was all geared up. I was all geared up until I got to the last chapter and my finger too flickered, wanting to show the middle one to the evil. I like that uh, comment. It works well in context because the book ends with the protagonist who's drugged up in a, in a, um, a mental, uh, health asylum, um, finger sort of twitching while she's drugged dragged up because she can hear what they're saying but she's too drugged up to do anything about it so that's the you know that's the kind of um, the last scene that you see it's plot, plot spoiler sorry about that plot spoiler and um another one with most of the psychological thrillers i have read the endings are always mostly the same wrapped up nicely where in 99 percent of cases there is a happy ever after in reality though this is not always the case which paul has demonstrated very well in this story so all the things i told you i was concerned about um you know all those reviews confirm that i needn't be worried about that at all this ending that i wanted to have you know this dark this dark topic and that disturbing ending um all, all it's really said is if anything people say you know dying for the sequel and it is actually it is asking for a sequel so we'll see it's certainly not a priority for me but it wouldn't really take a sequel um but here's the icing on the cake now you know that when i write books this has a female lead this book and, and sometimes i like to write books with female leads and to be honest with you i don't really plan that and say this is going to be a male lead this is going to be a female lead sometimes just the voice naturally occurs when i'm writing but it isn't pre-planned a lot of the time as it uh, as it wasn't particularly in this one it just felt better felt more natural to have a female lead and you know that i've said to you before that um you know i feel that my books are uh, a more comfortable read for, uh, for women that they then they're naturally books that um the, the female psychological thriller reading audience would like i don't write jack reachers i don't write macho heroes at all that's not what i do um i write books that are very uh, character based and uh, with with people's relationships that's what i like to to write so i was really happy to get this review which said unfortunately it's no secret that i favor female authors However, after reading this atmospheric psychological thriller, I am definitely a huge fan of this author. For me, this is without a moment's hesitation, a five-star read. Now, how pleased do you think I was? I mean, I've, there's a nice, loads of nice reviews in there, but how pleased do you think I was to read that one? Because that is a lady having read a female character. This is a lady who generally prefers female authors saying that that's a five-star read. So I feel, um, I'm really chuffed about that, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, hopefully, I, I know this lady isn't all readers, but hopefully it's an indication that my kind of writing's hitting its target. So I figure that I share with you, um, you know, all the all the negative stuff and the difficult stuff that I have to take on the chin sometimes. <laughs> I thought I'd let you hear that it's not all bad, guys. I do actually get some nice reviews sometimes. And those are what came in from my blog tour this week. Now, why I love these blog tours, and I, I got to recommend it to you. I noticed a couple of you have actually um, started to book blog tours with Sarah Hardy. 
Um, I'm sure there, are, you know, there will be other blog tour hosts available, but Sarah, Sarah is the lady who I've interviewed. Sarah is the lady who's done my blog tour. She does a brilliant job of them. Communication is excellent. She gets a real buzz going around the books and she, she's found me absolutely the right target audience to, to be reviewing my books. So I am going to recommend Sarah Hardy. And I know a couple of you have used her, her blog tour services as well, but the message of the moment is, uh, you know, blog tours could be really great. All these, all these reviewers now, not only have they reviewed my book on their blogs, but they're now going to post their reviews on Amazon and on Goodreads. And that's going to give me lots of great SEO search engine optimization juice, but also lots of great, um, reviews on Amazon, which are going to help give me some resilience against those poor reviews that I got early on. So it's also given me the confidence to say, okay, um, I think I was right with the judgments I made about this book, with the with the difficult end, with the dark story. Uh, these are psychological thriller readers who uh, they're all exclusively they're ex- all women. There's no no men there at all who've read it. Um, it just tells me that I've got my right audience and I've hit the trope. So yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about that this week, as you can imagine. Um, general things that I'm up to at the moment. I've got to. I I realised last weekend that I'd forgotten to do this, but now I've got. Now you see her back. Of course, we delisted it under Adams of my name, and I relisted it under my name. And then I realized, oh my goodness, all my thrillers have got the wrong link to that book. I mean, no one's going to die, frankly, but I, I just have to go through the back matter of all my thrillers now and make sure they've all got the latest link into Now You See Her, the new version of Now You See Her. So I have done that with all my books. I did that at the weekend, but I haven't done it yet with the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. I just thought, okay, well, look, I've done half the books, however many there are, um, and I'll come back to Don't Tell Meg. And I'm going to do that this weekend. So that's a job for this weekend is to make sure all my um, sort of cross-promotional links um, in my also buy section in my books that they all uh, link correctly to Now You See Her, which is, of course, now my book and not a shared book. I did just want to mention to you, because we've, we've all got paid by Amazon this week, in that I've never been aware of me. I've got lots of books now. I can't remember. Is it 20? Whatever it is. So many books I've got now um, in sci-fi. And I've got non-fiction books, of course, which I don't really talk about. But I've got my non-fiction books, um, and another one to add to that list soon, and all my thrillers. So it's about 23, 24 books, something like that. I can't remember what it is now. Um, but what I am very aware of with my with my pay nowadays is that I'm getting lots of, when I'm not doing promo promos, like, uh, you know, like a bookbub promo and I've not got something like a bookbub promo on, I'm getting lots of pockets of money from each book now. And those smaller pockets of money are adding up to make a core amount of money every month. That's worth having. It's more than my wife's salary was on her part-time term time work. And I just, that's crept up on me. Um, I've only really just noticed it because the, when I look at the amount of money for each book, it doesn't excite me. So this is not, this is just my books just sitting there, no promotion, just kind of sitting there and bringing what they would bring in anyway. And, and, and none of, so when I, there's no promo in a book, it's not spectacular, but I've got so many books written now that altogether they're bringing in something that's worth having. It makes a difference. And that's great because I could stop doing any kind of marketing at all. And I feel that that would come in every month now because you know it's not benefiting from promotion or anything like that. So it was just a, 
a realization that the more books you write, I've heard this somewhere else too. I think it might have been on the Six Figure Authors show, just that feeling that the more books you have, you kind of hit a critical mass at a certain point where they all bring in a certain amount. And that, when you've got enough books there, just kind of brings in enough every month uh, not to have to get too sort of excited about having to run promos all the time. Um, so I, I am getting that sense that in a small, modest way, I, I've begun to hit a critical mass. And it's it, interestingly, it's around Michael Andale's 20 books, isn't it? Because uh, it's around, that's a sort of, feels like it's about a critical mass point. Now, that's, it's not 50K. Okay, that's, that's be clear about that. But it, it's enough to make a difference to a household budget. It's enough to be interested. It's enough to make a difference. It's enough to pay to go to Spain for five to six months. You know, that it's that kind of money. So um, I just thought I'd mention that to you because the more books you've got, I mean, I didn't realise this. This just happened to me by accident. I just happened to notice it. It's an observation um, from my sort of Amazon pay. You know what I'm like. I, I look at an amount of money that comes in a book and so I, it doesn't excite me. But actually, lots of amounts that don't excite me are building up to create a residual amount every month. That now does excite me. So I just thought I'd mention that because it, it really kind of, bears out this philosophy that the more books we have, the easier it gets. Now, of course, um, I'm, I'm still benefiting, by the way. I, I, I modified my numbers for the uh, Secret Bunker promo that I did. Um, I said to you that I thought that my numbers were going to be a little bit lower. But I have to say, it's um, it's had a good ripple effect. In that, uh, the Secret Bunker books are still doing really well. Um, after the book bub, which, which feels like it was ages ago. I've, I can't even remember when it was now. Um, and of course, I'm still going to try for the grid. That's due f- for me to submit again for a book bub. And Don't Tell Meg comes up this month for book bub. Uh, they, they seem to like that one. And of course, I'm going to keep trying with the Walk Bay trilogy for book bubs. And, and you know, they will give me, if I get a book bub, it gives me three decent earning months. Um, so I'm still pushing for those book bubs, but it's nice to know that that core income is becoming much steadier now. Thank you to Dan Sewell for sharing his grammar guide. Uh, Dan sort of teaches writing um, to to students, and um, I think it's within an academic setting, Dan, isn't it, as far as I can see, because you shared this uh, tweet earlier this week. I'll, I'll put it on the show notes, actually, that Dan was doing a lecture. I think it was to 12 people, but it was in this massive lecture theatre, absolutely massive lecture theatre. It looked really posh, and um, it, looked, it would be quite formidable if it was full. Um, but Dan does a lot of this stuff, and he shared, he'd heard my pains over grammar and, you know, reading the book that I was reading, was it whatever it was called? It's the one that's recommended in On Writing. I, see, I forgot the title of it already. It was that memorable. Uh, but Dan shared this grammar guide that he gives to his students. So thanks very much for that. And I haven't had a chance to work through it yet, but um, I'm kind of happy to take things that are simple and digestible um, for anybody. But I was saying to Dan, uh, you want to get that formatted and you want to be selling that. Give it a nice fancy title, like, uh, you know, everything an indie author needs to know about grammar. Just give it a nice kind of internet marketing kind of title like that. And I reckon that'll sell really well. Um, you know, put some put a bit of personal experience and a few anecdotes in it. And you've got yourself a, a non-fiction book there, Dan. So that's that's my top tip to you. I realised this week that my science fiction book, Phase 6, is mimicking real life. Uh, this is science fiction coming into real life because the first the first words in my book of uh, Phase 6, it's about um, a pandemic. Uh, and the first words that I've put on that in that book are uh, 
the words from the World Health Organization. Now, let me, I'm just trying, I should have had this ready for you. I'm so I'm just trying to find it now in my, in the tweets that I've sent out. And I've got so many tweets that have come out from this, uh, this book blogging tour that it's hard to find it here we go so my book phase six starts with world health organization guidance which goes phase six the pandemic phase is characterized by community level outbreaks in at least one other country in a different in a different who which is world health organization region in addition to the criteria defined in phase six designation of this phase will indicate that a global pandemic is underway and I just got a real sense this week that my science fiction is mirroring real life because, of course, that's where we are with this coronavirus. So, again, I just I just mentioned that as a by the by because so much of what I write in science fiction, one of the things, I mean, if you think this was five years ago in The Secret Bunker, one of the things that I talk about is exoskeletons and uh, Magnus, who's the, the sort of genius in the books, uh, Magnus is a real sort of techie guy and he uses um, exoskeletons originally to try and enable people with uh, disabilities to enable them to walk and he refines well the exoskeleton work that he's doing for people with disabilities gets taken over by the military and used to 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 enable soldiers to sort of perform better and longer in war and this is just a sci-fi concept in the secret bunker. It's just a by the by. And then before you know it, I'm reading regular articles now about scientists creating exoskeletons, which are allowing people who are paralyzed from the waist downwards to walk. So, you know, it really is fascinating that with science fiction, virtually anything that you can imagine might come true. And unfortunately, my, my book Phase Six, you know, deals with this this phase six period which is when we're moving into a worldwide pandemic and all the things that are kind of happening I'm reading about on Twitter and social media and um, one of the things they notice in my book is that they can't get certain types of coffee they have to they have to settle for tea because the coffee's running low and, and they can't get certain things because there's been a run on them and, and, it, and it's just at the point at which the world they're just noticing you know the supply chains are disrupted and things like that and, and the travel sometimes the travel it's easier to just travel in certain ways uh, there's stuff like that so anyhow that's phase six if you like a bit of sci-fi you might want to dive in at phase six and have a read and its catchphrase or its title uh but its subtitle is the final days are the most deadly <laughs> so i don't want to scare anybody or give anybody nightmares but um, yeah it does feel particularly timely uh, to have written that uh, book um i've been buying more calytics reports this week um, Alex Newton, is it, uh, released the sci-fi and fantasy report. So I think, um, I hadn't realised, but I bought the last two of those, so we might as well make it three in a row. So I bought the sci-fi and fantasy reports. I've gone through that, and why I find these reports really useful is pretty well what I look for is keywords that I could um, put in my sci-fi books, high-performing keywords, and I'm also looking for categories which are... I think he calls them, is it hot categories? Hot cells and hot categories, I think he calls them, um, which are not too competitive. So for instance, if I put my science fiction books in science fiction, the top category, I'm going to really struggle to make progress in a category like that. But if I list it in, in, a, in a cell or a category that has lots of um, people looking in it, so it's not totally obscure, but actually it's winnable because there aren't that many books listed in it, then I stand more chance of getting one of those best seller tags and, and getting it in the top 10, top 20. So strategically, this is a good thing to do. 
And so I've got quite used to reading these Kalytics reports now is I look for the keywords, some keywords you can't use if they mention things like Kindle. I don't think you could use free. There's certain rules and regulations with the keywords that you can and can't use. And I look for the categories and I, if I have, if I haven't got my books in certain categories, I contact Amazon and I ask them to list them in some of these um, hot but not so competitive categories to, to give me a greater chance of being seen um, within the Amazon infrastructure. So I've bought a couple of Kalytics reports in the past few weeks. I've got that sci-fi and fantasy report now and I bought the psychological thrillers one. I find them really good. I mean, no, I don't know who else would compile that information. I do find them extremely interesting. At $37, which is what, 20-something pounds, I find them a really uh, a really good buy. Um, but they just let you know that you're listing in the right categories and you're not listing, frankly, in a category that you have no chance of success in. So I do highly recommend the Kalytics reports too, if that's something that you can fit within your budget. So Wednesday was my last day of salaried work. I am, inverted commas, retired now. So what what's going to happen next? Well, this morning, I celebrated by getting up a little bit later and I went for a run. I, I There was a run last night. I've, I've signed up to a couple of four race series over summer that take place in Carlisle. And the first of these series took place at the nature run that I do a run at every Sunday. Uh, but it was in the dark. I don't run in the dark. I can't really see what I'm doing. I don't, I don't like running in the dark. So I've been running in the daytime over winter. I'm really looking forward to these light nights. We're nearly there. We're nearly there for evening runs. Uh, just a week or two away, I reckon. So I didn't do the run last night, but they left the course up. Uh, they're, they're leaving it up till Saturday so that people who couldn't do the run on the night uh, can come and they can record it on their, their GPS. And then you get your little medal and you get four medals over the year that form a jigsaw. So I'm just doing it for the fun of it. But it was beautiful today. It was absolutely beautiful. I, I My wife went to work. I jumped in the car, um, did the run. Uh, the nature reserve's beautiful. The sky was blue. I had a lovely run round. The course was was lovely. And I just thought, oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing more of that. And in fact, um, you know, I, I'm recording this on Thursday this week. I enjoyed it. So the reason I'm recording it on Thursday is I enjoyed the run so much this morning. The weather's going to be good on Friday. So I'm going to go and do it again while all the po- all the signposts are up. I'm going to do it on Friday as well. That's why I'm recording this early, because uh, none of this news that I'm going to give you is going to change. So I thought, right, let's get that diary in the pot. And then I'm going for a run on Friday as well. So um so yeah, I'm going to be doing some running when the weather's nice. I will be writing non-fiction. I've told you which non-fiction book I'm going to be writing. I've told you which fiction books I'm going to be writing. I will be doing some client work. I saw a client today after I did my run. I cut it a bit fine, actually. I had to, uh, I was seeing my client at 11 o'clock today. I think I got back to the house at about 10.35. I showered, dressed, and had to walk in. I got there just in the nick of time for uh, 11 o'clock to see my client. So I cut it a little bit fine today for that client work. And then after I'd seen the client, I went for lunch with my wife because my wife, uh, her lunch break started at one today. So had a great day, came back and then got on with the nonfiction book. So this is how life's going to be now. It's going to be work and it's going to be play, but it's not going to be too intensive work. That's how I intend to do it. So uh, yeah, it's going to be nonfiction, running, fiction, uh, client work, UK and foreign travel. So the foreign travel at the moment is parked. So I have no more foreign travel, uh, even penciled in at the moment until we go to Spain, which hopefully we'll be able to do in November. But we do have, uh, I've got several UK breaks um, 
all booked in. So in a couple of weeks' time, we're going up to Fort William, and I'm, I'm going to go and do the Fort William Park Run. And to me, these kind of um, breaks, I, I, well, you know, these kind of breaks are going to be fine because you're not going to densely populated areas. I mean, in Fort William, probably safer in Fort William, where we're staying in the middle of nowhere, than you are anywhere else. So, um, you know, these domestic breaks feel like they're perfectly all right to be at the moment. We're just going to rural areas, seaside areas, things like that, and doing park runs um, while we're there. So that's kind of what I'm going to be doing over summer. And I've got several of those booked in over summer. And I'm just parking foreign travel for the time being, just to see how they'll analyse. There's going to be a lot of tea drinking involved, of course. And as I've already hinted to you, uh, this inverted commas life of retirement um, is going to involve lots of daytime cinema. And we've got our first film booked in for Tuesday. Uh, we're going to go and see The Invisible Man because I really fancy that. That looks like a bit of uh, good sci-fi. I, I quite fancy the treatment they've given that film. And I like, is it Elizabeth Moss, the lady who's in The Handmaid's Tale? I, I really like her as well. So I'm trusting that she's um, in a good film. So... Uh, a bit of daytime cinema as well because I love going to see cinema in the daytime uh, plus I will have lots of lunches with my wife when she's working uh, and I will be meeting friends for coffee and lunch and there's lots of fun involved in there so uh, this, this is my new uh, this is my new life which I'm really looking forward to but uh, as I've said to you before it is going to involve lots of writing you know recording the podcast uh, there'll be plenty of activity around there. It's not all going to be dossing. It's not retirement. It's only going to be punctuated by those things. It's not going to be made up by those things. So I'm reassuring uh, you as much as myself about that. You know, I still need, to, I still want to, and still need to get the the work done. So the days where I write, Thursdays, Fridays, Sundays, they're going to be as disciplined as ever they were. Okay, so that is it for this week's podcast diary. If you are going to London for self-publishing Four Wheeler Live, sorry I'm not going to be there, but I hope you have a fabulous time. Enjoy your networking and chatting with authors. Um, and I will speak to you next week when I'll have another diary update for you. Have a fabulous week of writing and networking if you're going to London. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.